Well, good morning. We're, we're doing like a, just a mini two-part of the Bible. Um, and I, I realized we take for granted that some of us may be new to the faith or some of us may never have been given the basic elementary things. And sometimes even those who have been growing up in the church, we need basic elementary things. And last week we talked about how the Bible is trustworthy. Uh, today in our on-the-table small group, that'll be a topic of conversation as well. Is the Bible reliable? But today, I just want to go to a very simple concept I learned in college that I think is very helpful for us. So there's two parts today. One is, what are the five ways we learn from the Bible? And there are five ways. Uh, secondly is, so how can I study the Bible by myself? And the whole idea is, if you give a man a fish, he'll eat, live for a day. What's the other saying? If you teach him how to fish, he'll live eat for a lifetime. And so it's great to gather like this, and this is one of the ways we learn the, God's word, but it's more powerful, and the times that you will grow is when you spend time with God's word by yourself and allow the Holy Spirit to teach you. So we want to be those who handle God's word faithfully and, and with, with care and joy as God grows our faith. I want to start off with a story that uh, uh, author J.K. Johnson tells that in Russia, there was an actor. His name was Alexander Rostovzev. And he was converted in the middle of a play on stage that was actually meant to mock Jesus. It was a play that they called Christ in a Tuxedo. And he was supposed to come up playing Christ, give two lines from Beatitudes, and then put on his top hat and cane and start dancing, give me a tuxedo and a hat, and they were just mocking Jesus. Well, when the time came, he came out, and he read the first two lines of the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And he was struck so hard that he kept reading the Bible in the middle of the play. And then people started coughing, <coughs> hurry up, and they were stopping their feet, and he was just mesmerized he kept reading the whole sermon on the mount beatitudes and then at the end of it he recalled going to church with his family in the russian orthodox church ages ago before he lost his faith and he remembered the verse from luke 23 42 lord remember me when thou comest in thy kingdom and by the time he walked off the stage he became a transformed renewed man in christ the power of God's word, the power of scripture through the Holy Spirit interacting with us, it, it is indescribable. It is more than a literature. It is not a magic book, but it is a supernatural book given by an infinite being so that we can understand God, know God, be nourished in our soul. And so this week, last week, that's what we kind of focused on that. It didn't come out miraculously 40 years over 1,500 years. But God gave it methodically. He breathed into the writers. The scripture is all, is God breathed, meaning he used people to write out his thoughts and words. And he used people to bring it together. This past week, uh, last, was it Super Bowl two weeks ago now? Was it last week? It was last week. And uh, a church, mega church in Midwest America was, was kind of in a spotlight because to be funny and charming, they did a sketch where the pastor kicked the Bible through a field goal. 
in front of the whole church. And they were doing a joke and play. Um, maybe there, there was a tune. And I want to be careful because I'm sure we do some gaffes. But literally, the pastor kicked the Bible. And they were mocking, like they were doing Super Bowl. And, and the reason why that hurt was the same reason that if my mom, who is on her deathbed, writes me a letter. And somebody takes that paper and says, let me just make a paper airplane and blows a snot and throws it away. It's just a piece of paper, right? No. It's a piece of paper but the significance of the author and the implication of the person that gave it to me, the love that I have for that person, the words are rich when I know it's from my mom. And in the same way, the Bible is just a book. At the same time, it's more than a book. The God who loves me, knows me, who gave his son, Jesus Christ, for you and me to have forgiveness of sin, to have this message that I am loved and known even though I'm the worst of sinners. That Bible becomes special. It, it is a love letter from God. And so we want to look at the Bible, starting with this. Before we jump into how-to, I think the very, very first step is we have to change the way we ad- our attitude and address the Bible. That this is, again, not a magic book, but a supernatural book that's a gift of God so we could know God's heart. In theology, there's these two revelations. One is called general revelation. That's to say that when you look at the world, when you look at the heavens and the earth, you, you cannot believe it just came to order by itself. An eyeball, the nervous system, our bodies did not evolve, I'm sorry, over time from a single cell organism. Impossible. There is a creator, and so general revelation tells us there must be a God. But the specific revelation theology teaches us is from scripture that tells us which god what does he desire how did he come to let us know him what has he done for us that specific revelation of god is in our scripture and so we address this um for reformed people we're reformed protestant presbyterians methodist baptists you know some baptists um we're, we're very we're reformed and one of the things that we we value is our authority is not a person, a human person. Our authority is scripture. And above scripture is Jesus Christ. So humans are not the authority in the church. It is the power of the Bible. So we have to approach God's word with care like that. And so I want to turn to this. Some of you, did anyone pick this up on their way in? I made, there's a copy from in Korean and English. Uh, it's out there as well. It's from Navigators, and they're a parachurch organization that are committed to discipleship of all people all around the world. And so I want to share with you, these are the five, uh, five ways that we learn the Bible. First, the first part is hearing. The pinky is the weakest, weakest unit, digit. So the first way we learn the Bible is through hearing it. And Romans 10, 17, the next verse, uh, it says... Um, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. In today's reading in Psalm 119, uh, the psalmist writes, Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. So we learn by hearing God's word. So you come to church. You guys are already on track for this, this week. We come to hear God's word, to hear it read, and to hear it exposited. But it, you only retain 5% of what you hear. 
Now that explains a lot why I can't understand my wife because I have a bad memory and I don't listen well. But so we have to hear it. So some of you listen to podcasts, radio, TV. We have a wealth of resources to hear God's word. We have version apps that read the Bible. Come on, that's amazing. But, so that's the first way. Second way is by reading. And we, that's the ring finger. And the reading it, we retain 15% of what we uh, read. So that's better than hearing it. When you read it, especially when you mark it, write it down. Revelation 1.3, the verse that they give is, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of the prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. And so the psalmist writes in verse 13, With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. Reading it, reading it out loud. If you have family, reading aloud scripture with your family does something amazing. We're centering our hearts and lives to God's word. By the way, you can read the whole Bible in one year. There are 1,189 chapters in the Bible. Divided by 365, it comes up to like 3.14 something. Uh, that's pi. That's interesting. So if you read uh, three chapters a day, you can finish the whole Bible in one year. That's it. Three chapters a day. That's it. But reading it, retain 15%. So the second way we learn is reading the Bible. Um, third, this takes the most effort. This is why it's the tallest finger. Studying it is one of the most, the, the next effective. is 35% retention rate when you study it. It takes the greatest time and effort. Psalm 119 verse 15 that Nathan read, in the New Living Translation says this, I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. Uh, so you have to read it. You have to hear it, but you have to study it. Studying it is taking time to reflect on it. What does it mean? And actually, the second part of today's message will go into that. Um, it says in Acts 17, Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and every day to see if what Paul said was true. How do you know when the devil is using Scripture to twist and fool Jesus into temptation. You have to know truth and authenticity. How do you know you're being lied to about some scripture? What if some past, what if I'm preaching heresy? How do you know if something is heresy? You have to know what's true. I worked in banking. I was a corporate officer. I did corporate financing. And one of the first things that they had us training to do was, I wasn't a bank teller, but they made us go in there and touch money. A lot of real money. It was weird. Do you know why they did that? When you smell, touch, feel, hear, you start getting programmed and you could immediately tell what's counterfeit. How do you know what's true in the world these days? Don't just react to your political proclivities. You have to be able to know truth. And you cannot know truth if you don't know God's word. And so a lot of us are being swayed by charisma. I know bad pastors, bad preaching, but people are flocking to them because there's this charisma. It's the truth of God, and the, and the salvation comes from hearing about Jesus Christ and the connection of that through the Holy Spirit. We have to study this every day, and this is the rhythm of life. So 
that's the tallest, takes the most effort. Um, we, when we look for officers in our church, I'm just going to be candid, deacons and elders, you know the first step we look at? Who goes to Bible study? Who takes God's word seriously? We don't go for who's the richest, smartest, coolest, gifted. We look at who cares about God and his word. And so we want to be that. Last one, this is 100% retention, memorizing scripture. Uh, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Listen to this. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. What does that mean? I not only heard it, I not only studied it, but I have kept it in my heart so that I would hold to your word that I may not sin against you. Uh, the next one of the verses here is, I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. We have to memorize more of scripture than John 3.16. We have to memorize more than just the simple ones. We have to grow in that. And in college, uh, our Kathy and my Christian fellowship made us memorize one verse every week. So we had about 50 verses memorized by the end of the year, literally. They were a little bit uh, very brutal about it. But in hindsight, I was so grateful for those times. So one of the verses is Romans 10.9.10, 10, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. How do I know this? Because I learned it at 19 years old, memorized it, internalized it. So when I share with someone, they say, how do I become a Christian? Do I go to church? Do I have to be good? No, let me tell you. Romans 10, 9, 10. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus Lord, and believe in your heart, he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. So these things, the best scripture is a scripture you have. It's like camera. <laughs> but to do that, we want to be able to internalize it. And all those things are the fingers. And it ends with the thumb and meditating. And if you read the, read the handout, the thumb is very unique because thumb is the only finger that could touch all the other fingers. Did you ever notice that? And so what they're saying is in every part of the reading, hearing, studying, and memorizing, you can meditate. You can soak it. Right now, you're meditating with me. <laughs> you're soaking in. And so the thumb helps you to meditate on the meaning and the purpose and the reason for this word. These are five ways that we learn scripture. So if some of us only go to church barely once a month, and that's the only time we hear coming to church and you're hungry for more, what's the next thing you do? Read through the Bible. Well, I want more. Start studying it. We're going to get to that. What's the next thing you do? Chip of our faith to a from now on. To you. So I want to kind of transition. Transition. We need to know this because if we want to find truth, what does the Bible say about marriage? What does it say about being a man and a woman? What does the Bible say about the significance of every human life? Black, white, yellow, brown, purple, child, born and unborn. Don't come with opinions. What does the Bible say? How does God view life? What does the Bible say about the poor, the imprisoned, about those hungry, about, about parenting? Bible has incredible insight on parenting. Are we following it? What does the Bible say about politics and nations and authority? You know that the Bible says, hey, 
respect and honor your authority. And this is written to Christians living in the Roman Empire. Not because they're good, but subject to it, knowing that God is your ultimate king, but obey your authority until he comes. And there's this whole idea of how we live in this mess. By the way, because if some of you are trying to revolt and create a new nation in America because we're sick of everything, the Bible has wisdom on that. <laughs> Pray for your authority. Obey your authority. Be a light. So we need to do this. Let's transition in here. How do we study the Bible? And I want to make it very easy. I was, there's so much out there, and I was like, 90% of the resources, uh, it's for like extensive five-hour Bible studies. So I want to help us. For those of you who said, I want to read the Bible, but it's so hard. The step one, Pastor Jason will pay you $10 for every time you read the Bible. That's it. That's it. So just let me know. I'll Venmo you every day you read. It comes out of Kathy's account, so it doesn't matter to me. That's the best way to read the Bible. Second, <laughs> just kidding. Okay, so here's the first one. First slide is preparation. The first step is preparation. We kind of talked about half of it, and it's this. I, the way I approach God's word is the way I approach um, someone I love and respect and revere. Um, how many of you have a grandma or grandpa that you just adore, that you, you remember, you, right? When you see them, you don't go, what's up, grandma? What do you do? Even little children, two years old, grandma, like they go anticipating. They go beaming. I can't wait to be here with you. You, you know that feeling. What if we went to God through his word that way? Before we read, oh, God, I can't wait to be with you. So we pray, God, help me to understand your word as I read it. Direct your attention and focus to God. But the third part, this, this is my, my thought that I, I, this helped me. Anticipate it's going to be good. God, you have something for me today. If you go there just reading it, it's going to be dry. Because you're, you're, you're expecting to be entertained. But you got to go there saying, God, this is something you have for me today. And I may not understand it fully, but you have something for me. My heart is yours. That preparation is the first key step. It doesn't have to be a long prayer. It doesn't have to be a 10-minute prayer. It has to be a sincere, humble prayer. And so we come before God. Uh, Psalm 119.10, we just read it. With my whole heart, I seek you. Do you hear that? I'm seeking you. With my whole heart, I'm here. God, speak to me. Ask for his presence. Little warning here before I go to step two. The reason why Bible's boring to some of you, you're reading it. Let's be honest. You want the Bible to support your position on whatever issues you have. A lot of us read the Bible waiting to be supported that my stance is going to be backed up. This is the problem. This is called eisegesis, where we take parts of the Bible so that it makes us sound right. If you want to read the Bible, we have to go with God. I don't know a dinkling about everything. I want you to speak to me about life, manhood, marriage, children, faith, poor, serving, justice. So first is preparation. Second, second is observation. Very simple. We do this on Wednesdays. Second slide. What does the passage say? That's it. We're going to do this in like real quick. Um, read the passage two or three times. 
and ask yourself as you're reading it, who's writing this? What's going on? What style is this written in? It's a poem. Okay, if it's a poem, it's an, it's, it's an, it's a, there's going to be a lot of allegory and metaphor. The Lord is my shepherd. Is God really, is his job a shepherd? Shepherd, does he have sheep? No, it's a, it's a metaphor that he is like a shepherd who is good and we are sheep. We have to know the passage and we have to figure out what's happening here. Though I walk through the valley of shadow death, oh, the psalmist is facing fear of dying or harm. And so the shepherd is there with him. So what are the commands? One of my favorites is when I read scripture, what's repeated? So Revelation 4.8, angels are dancing around God's throne. And what do they say? Holy, holy, holy. What is that saying about God? He is more than a religious leader. He is the all-supreme being who deserves our full life and attention and worship. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, we studied this yesterday. What is the emphasis there nine times? Love, 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 love. What's the theme here? Paul wants us to love as a church. What's repeated? So observations. In that observation, um, put this in down too. Ask a lot of questions. Why would they do that? Why, why did Jesus say that? I don't understand this part. Why did God allow blah, blah, blah? It's okay to ask questions. So in our observation, we ask questions. Third, third is, now we start interpreting it. Oh, by the way, did you notice we didn't jump into what do I need to do? That comes last. Some of us in Bible study, we read something, we're like, okay, I need to do this. This is what it's saying. No, no, that's the last piece. Third is interpret. Now, based on the context, what is the passage saying to us? What is God saying to us in this passage? What is this saying about our sin, our condition? What is this saying about human nature? Boy, we're fickle. Israelites were grumbling in the desert. What is the Bible saying? It's not them. My goodness, we have a tendency to be dissatisfied just like that. It shows us we are very needy and we have needs. What does this passage say about God? Now we're interpreting. What, is it, what does this reveal about God? What kind of God is he? How does Jesus Christ and his grace give me joy and comfort in this passage of overcoming sin? At the end of the part, simply, I do this even before my sermon. At the end, I step away and I said, what's the main point here? I heard a terrible sermon a long time ago, and the sermon was this. You know Anna and I, Sapphira? They, they, they lied to the church. They said, we sold everything we gave, to the, we gave to the church. And then Peter said, oh, my gosh, Holy Spirit's lying to me, telling me you're lying. And they dropped dead, basically, right? So the point of that text is, you know, about giving and sacrifice and telling truth. The, the sermon point, the whole main sermon point was we need to be a better community. And then I, Sapphira, would have had friends. That this wouldn't have happened. And I was like, What? That's like <laughs> left turn. And so we have to go look at the text and say, just pan back. You don't need to be a theologian or a scholar. What's the main idea here that God is trying to convey? And then I, so far, I would have said, God desires truth. God desires not costly sacrifice, but just obedient, faithful sacrifice. We don't need to lie to impress. 
and we don't need to lie to make gains. So that's interpretation, and that takes us to application. What do I do with its meaning? Last one. Now that I see it, interpret it. By the way, for interpretation, if you're hardcore people, you could start going into commentaries. There's Bible.org, uh, BibleStudyTools.com. A lot of great websites. I like Tangible Bible. Last is now. What do I do? What is this? How does this truth affect me? How do I live in relation to others? And what does it look like for me to live this truth out? So those are the four things: prepare, read and observe, interpret, and then apply. That actually takes about 10-15 minutes. You could do a simple Bible study every day with meditation. Now, check this out. If you don't want to do that or you don't, can't do that, here's the other option. Read three chapters a day and just read through and, and make a goal of this year. I want to finish the Bible. If you want to go the next level, do both. <laughs> uh, but wherever your soul is craving, let that go. A little side tip. If you have never read the Bible, start in the Gospels. Uh, John is usually preferred, but he's a little bit kind of uh, symbolic, so go to Mark. So I want to show this up. Uh, let's go. Just do a real quick in like two minutes. Mark 10, 13 through 16. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. Now I want to do this as a together. Make all the observations. Call out. You're not online. You're not mic, so don't worry about it if you say. <laughs> but what are some observations you make? What's the context? Boy, you're so shy. Jesus is, who are the people here? Jesus, children, with children there probably are parents, and then disciples. And then what's going on here? What's the observation? There's a little tension here. What's the tension? Disciples were rebuking children. So now there, there's a first question in this observation. Why did they rebuke the children? Why did they, what were they rebuking? And then what does Jesus do in your observation? He makes a statement. Let the children come to me, for such is the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like them shall not enter it. And so we're, we're, what are we learning here in this simple thing? Jesus is in a crowd. People are gathering, and the disciples are saying, Jesus, the kids don't need to be bothering Jesus. Interpretation. What does it say about us? Sometimes we think that children or some people are not worth God's time. It's for the important adults. The children are just like distractions. Jesus is teaching. Let him teach the grown-ups who are ready. And then Jesus turns the table and says, let the children come. But in fact, let me go further. You cannot enter heaven and God's presence and his kingdom unless you become like a child. Interpretation, I must become childlike. Application, how do I go from childishness to childlikeness?
Observation, interpretation, application. God, where are the areas where my pride thinks that I'm more important than children? Two, here's a wild part. Who am I hindering from meeting God by my assumptions? You're gay. You're homosexual. You're transgender. You just stay out there. This is for the holy people. Is that what Jesus teaches? You're an adulterer. You're an alcoholic. This is for the important righteous people. And Jesus obliterates all that. Unless you all become like child, you cannot come. What does a child do? Children do two things really well. They're vulnerable and they trust. God, help me to be vulnerable to you and trust you. And by your kindness, receive me. Let me end with this. Our, God, our job, our, your last breath is going to be to sing how great thou art. When we die, our last breath has to be even now how great thou art. Meaning, your job and my job is very simple. is to love Jesus because he loved us radically. That's our job. Now, here's the question. What does that look like? Jesus tells us, John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. It is not how enthusiastically you worship. It is not how much the song lifts your heart. It is not how you feel when you come to church. The real test of your love for God will be, I delight in your law, and on it I meditate day and night, and I desire to obey it because you are worthy and your words are precious. In my mind, that is the greatest sign that our life is truly loving God. Amen? And to do that, we need to know the word of God. Let's pray together. Lord, we gather before you, and I just pray over my brothers and sisters here and those online that you would give us a hunger for your word as someone who's been fasting for two weeks, hungers for food, that you would give us a unquenchable thirst to receive and read and to soak in the goodness that comes in through your scripture. God, we have clearly in America the abundance and wealth of scripture resources. God, would you give us the yearning and desire to know that that's where our souls and our hearts are fed, that your word is a living word. It cuts through the bones and the marrows and the sinews. And so, God, I pray for this church not to rely on simply podcasts or great sermons or even just, just radio, TV stations and conferences. But, God, that in the quiet moments, we would seek after you through your word that you are speaking every day. God, make it so. Give us a revival as our hearts turn away from ourselves and sin. And by the blood and the re- of Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection. We approach the holy throne of grace with confidence as we seek your face through your word. We pray this in your most holy name. Amen.